Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, the best business phone service as chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected using one easy-to-use app. Get business phone service, EMOS, offered a fraction of what you'd pay for those services separately. Nextiva has been a great partner of 12-Pack Radio. Check them out at nextiva.com slash 12-Pack. Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs and feel the It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-rank college football statistical model. And this is a sharp college football podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is Brian Conger. And we continue to move through our spring question series. We're going to talk about a couple teams today. And I'm joined as always by Rob Bowron from Sharp College Football, who meticulously has been cranking through all these, not just Pac-12 teams, but teams all over the country on our YouTube page. Rob, how are you? I'm good. We just did Oklahoma State, which was a, a a fun team to think through. They they get a, they lose an incredible defensive coordinator. They get a pretty good one coming in. Not like one of the teams we're going to cover today who got rid of a bad defensive coordinator and then promoted from within. <laughs> you always you always got to let people within your staff know that there's room to run. You know, they got to spread yeah, their wings. <laughs> who did uh, Oklahoma State get as their D.C.? They got Derek Mason from Auburn. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, that, and he, he took a pay cut. He was like, I just want out of Auburn so <laughs> bad. I will take less money to not be involved in this crazy pirate ship anymore. I don't want any of my fans claiming that I had a affair that that is completely unsubstantiated. Yeah. Just pushed me out. That whole story is wild. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah, and that that team is going to be really fascinating to see what they're able to do this year. Do they play a Pac-12 team this year? Oklahoma. They State? do. They get ASU. That's right. Oh, Lord Almighty. Uh, <laughs> well, that will be that will be fun. Um, well, that's cool. Like anything else going on at Sharp College Football right now? Before we dive into the Emory Jones news, and we got a couple teams to cover. Uh, no, just cranking through the previews. Going to do Wisconsin next, and then Texas A and M, and then we're on to thirty through twenty-one. We'll have already done twenty previews. Is there any? I mean, speaking of ASU, right? Like ASU ended up playing Wisconsin in that at Las Vegas Bowl. Do you so, so real talk here, Rob? Real talk. Do you just dust off the the previous version preview of Wisconsin and then just read the same thing? Because that team never changes. Well, it's really tempting. I mean, like, so Wisconsin, their defense should be really good again because you've got Jim Leonard, but like the offense has really ended up in a ditch, you know. And it's it seems inexplicable to me because they just can't seem to put it together with Mertz. Like, and I just, I don't think it's the offensive line. I don't think it's like, I just, I really think it's Mertz is the problem and they 
will not look at another option. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it used to be like a, a couple of years ago. I mean, like even in like 2019, you could talk about Wisconsin is really like a consistent top 10 team, maybe even, you know, kind of falling in that range. Like not, not in the, you know, realm to compete with the top two or three teams in college football, but you know, like they could be it in the number five team in college football or something like that. But man, that right now, like there's a pretty big gap offensively that they're going to have to actually get over. And it's interesting. Cause like Paul Chris's background is offense. Um, but yeah, like you, this, this Wisconsin team with Mertz back at quarterback feels like, Oh yeah, I could just dust off the preview again. Like Wisconsin, great defense like totally mediocre offense right now <laughs> like rinse repeat the, you know Graham Mertz the famed great grandson of Fred and Ethel Mertz of Isle of Lucy so we have a lot of up and coming you know uh, f- famous spawns of <laughs> people with uh, you have uh, Bear Bryant's great great grandson oh, no, yeah. <laughs> um, no thanks thanks everybody for joining us you can follow us at 12 pack radio and I mean the big news today or, or this week, because this happened a few days ago, was the commitment of Emory Jones, the quarterback out of Florida, deciding to transfer to ASU. We, on our previous series, had gone through basically everything, and, and almost everything we talked about on our in our previous series ASU that we did for ASU last week, basically holds. We had a, a question on whether or not the quarterback, they would get, an, get one, and we knew that Jones was out there as somebody that was considering ASU. And I guess as I'm, as I'm looking at this, right, because I follow a lot of national college football and so do you Rob I mean our focus is on the Pac-12 you know I think clearly this is a good step forward for ASU being able to get another body in there that has starting experience but I mean it wasn't like like Jones was kind of on the rocks a little bit at Florida and granted it was a bizarre year with the the Dan Mullen offense but I would argue any offense with Dan Mullen is likely better than the offense you're going to see at ASU uh, regardless of (laughs) what those players uh, how they felt towards that coach and that program and uh, one not can just argue it is a fact that they gave up on that that team you know halfway through the season but you know a 19 to 13 touchdown interception ratio 65 percent completion rate was able to to run the ball right dual threat at about 750 yards four touchdowns on the ground. I mean, this is an interesting pickup. I just don't know if he's like going to be the savior of ASU, but like I think that if you ask most ASU fans like, "Hey, what do you expect this coming year?" I think most people I, I it seems like the expectations for ASU fans are where they should be this year given the last couple of years where I think, you know, people were saying that they were going to win the Pac-12 South, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, is that a fair assessment of, of the commitment of Jones? Like, what did you think about him? Yeah. I mean, like Jones is interesting, right? Like, I mean, he, his completion percentage is, is decent. Um, again, you kind of wonder about like how much of that is short passes. He, he does seem to have a little bit of an accuracy issue a little further down the field. Um, <laughs> but like the athleticism is terrific. I think he's going to fit in a lot of ways because like the offensive coordinators coming over from UNLV, um, you know, and they've, you know, UNLV, they have been working with some athletic quarterbacks. Like I think he's going to fit what the OC wants to do. Maybe than just more than just a pure passing quarterback would. I mean, but I think, you know, if you're looking at ASU's QB room and we were sort of saying like, if it's not Bear Bryant's, you know, grandson or great grandson or whatever, then it's gotta be, you know, that it's going to be like a walk on, um, having Jones in is fantastic. Like you're suddenly looking at depth, you know, you're looking at a, I mean, a real change of pace too, if they wanted to go that route, um, you know, and play, you know, uh, the guy that's maybe more of a pure passer and then also play Jones. But I mean, he certainly brings a lot of experience and frankly, like, 
Pac-12 defenses are going to be really soft compared to what he's seen, um, you know, in the SEC uh, last year. So, I mean, I, I I think if you're ASU, like it has to feel like a pretty good get. Yeah, it was. I was excited to see that. And from all reports out of camp, it just seemed like the coaching staff was absolutely not in love with the quarterback situation that they had. So it's nice that they're able to fill that in. They also got some interesting like additions to the portal. So like the first thing would be uh, Omar Omar Norman Lott ended up going back to ASU, right? So he was the previous four-star defensive tackle there. And he went into the portal, is back at ASU. It seems like Jermaine Lole may possibly return, but it, yeah. he, I think he's been pretty clear about, hey, I would very much like an NIL deal. And it, we discussed this a bit on our podcast that it doesn't seem like ASU has their act together on that front. So when things are moving really quickly and you have a lot of people leaving a program, I just, I would put the odds of him coming back to ASU pretty low. I just, I think that there's other schools out there. They can throw him more money. Like, you know, it's funny because I'm listening to all these shows, whether it's like, uh, Bud Elliott's summer school or, uh, uh, um, oh my gosh, uh, solid verbal or like doing their previews. And like everyone that everybody interviews is like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to find a defensive tackle in the, in the transfer portal. <laughs> and so yeah. like you finally have one here. So you got to assume that he's getting a lot of different offers from different schools. I, I think he's likely gone. And then they also got Cam Johnson, the wide receiver out of Vanderbilt, former four-star player. You know, you you are an alum of of the uh, of the Commodores. What, what, what do you think about that pickup? I mean, like, I think legitimately it's a decent pickup. Like, if you're ASU getting at least a former four-star, you definitely have to feel that there's some athletic talent there. Vanderbilt was god awful offensively. I mean, really, since Andy Ludwig left. Um, you know, their offense has really been in a ditch. They were horrible passing the ball last year, 89 overall an effective pass. I think with him, you just have to hope that it's like, you know, the, the promise and the experience can sort of pay off and, and they're able to feature him. They're going to need to fill that receiving core. I mean, just, they, they lost, uh, um, Elijah Badger, the, um, a couple of the four star, like three or four of the four star guys, uh, like LB Bunk- Bunkley Shelton's gone. It's just, it's, it's interesting, Ricky Pearsall. So, you know, you kind of take what you can get when it comes to some of these, uh, you know, players. You know, he he wasn't like he had a huge year. I'm just going through and double checking on some of the previous years. Yeah. I mean, you know, like six foot one, 200 pounds. He got about 327 yards, four touchdowns last year. His best year was 545 yards for the, the Commodores. Now, again, to your point, it wasn't like they can move the ball a ton, uh, as we saw in that game with Stanford. But, you know, they're going to need the depth. And I think at this point, until you fire Herm, it's kind of dead man walking. So, you know, yeah. get get what you can out of that portal. Do your very best. But I just wouldn't be super optimistic about the chances of ASU just pulling in any more high-end talent. It could be wrong. You know, Emory Jones, like, transfer. He, he could be – I mean, I, I think he'll be the likely starter for them. So they are still pulling in some players, but I just – I think this might be the the last ride of the Mohicans for uh, for ASU. Any any other transfer portal news or anything you want to cover in the conference? No, no. I mean, I think that's right. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before, right? Like, there's so many so many bodies in the portal right now with the 
COVID year where guys have additional eligibility and the fact that it's the first time transfer for so many players too. Um, ASU should be able to get into the portal and at least find bodies, some of whom will seem promising right now. Like, are they going to be able to replace everyone like talent, like talent for talent? Like, no, of course not. Like, um, but they should be able to get in there and actually, you know, fill it in. It's just like, to your point from last week, right? Like, they said they swore up and down, like we're going to be evaluating transfer tape. We're going to go and lock ourselves in the office and grind, <laughs> grind transfer tape. And then because they, they signed a, a really, really underwhelming class and then they were going to make it up in transfers. And then it turns out they've been on the bad end of that. Like, um, I think they could cobble it together, but it's going to, this is, this is, they're going to, this is going to, even no matter what the NCAA sanctions that come down are the effect of this year with you know miss you know the transfers out plus the really missing the recruiting class like it's going to be felt yeah no i totally agree with you well let's get to a couple teams that have a uh, i would argue a higher upside and you know kind of some breakthrough candidates here in the pac-12 and let's start let's start with the beeves rob because yeah, you ended up doing uh, you know your spring questions for oregon state a team that made it to the Jimmy Kimmel bill uh, bowl. I loved the tweet that came out from Utah state, right? Because they were, you know, the beeves go into that bowl. They lose to Utah state. And then um, they were doing demolition work on their football stadium because they, they're building a new thing. And like, you know, you see the whole thing crash down and Utah state just tweets out guys. It was just a bowl game, which is really, really like yeah. a, a plus chef's kiss trolling. Loved that. But I mean, I think you and I are high on Jonathan Smith. We're, we're always interested in what Oregon State can be. And as I was looking through the depth chart on this, Rob, I just, it's kind of the same story with ASU where you look at it and you, you breathe in like you're really super ready. And then you kind of deflate a little bit as you look at what they were able to not do this year in the transfer portal and the, the coordinators that they hired, you know, kind of walk me through some of the bigger questions that we have here for Oregon state heading to 2020. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the biggest question that you have to have about the Beavers heading into 2022 uh, is like the, the defensive coordinator, right? Tim Tibisar is out. Um, they hired, they promoted Trent Bray, uh, who was already on staff, um, to be the defensive coordinator. Um, and I gotta be honest, I mean, we talk about this with the, um, <clears throat> with their underwhelming participation in the great transfer Palooza. Um, it just feels like Jonathan Smith, like he's just see, like, he seems really fine. Just sitting, sitting with what he's got, you know, like <laughs> just you know, like you do, you know, you promote the defense, you know, you promote the defensive coordinator for within. And, and, and to your point, you're like, that's not the worst thing. Like you do, if you have somebody that you really think is ready um, and you want to reward that and show that guys can get promoted, it induces hard work from the, you know, the other guys on the staff. But <clears throat> this defense was really bad last season. They were 94 overall in beta rank. Um, they've been really bad. Trent Bray, you know, has been on staff <laughs> this time, you know, if he's been sitting on a bunch of good ideas, I don't know why, what he's been doing with them, or maybe Tipisar was just overruling him or something, but it doesn't feel like a terribly inspired hire for what needs a, a, a real changeover. And that's on the coaching staff. But I think like, as you go through the the roster, the real questions for me started at wide receiver. Um, you know, they've been a real run heavy offense. But like I, you know, like they're, 
they're they're not terribly deep with guys that have playing experience at, at wide receiver. And I think overall, just at the position, I think they have fewer bodies that you would like. And you have a really hard time. Like, I don't know, absent sort of like being able to sit and watch spring practice, who you'd pencil in in some cases is like your backups at your, you know, your X and Y wide receivers. Yeah, one of the things that was a bummer, at least for me last year, was Treshawn Harrison, the Florida State transfer, came in with some hype. He certainly has some size. And he was fine, right? Like, and, and which is yeah. a, which is a bummer. Now I get it, right? Chance Nolan is your quarterback, so I think the opportunity to blow the doors off through the air was taken off the table once that move was made. And I mean, I would hope that Tristan Jebbia ends up going back into that position because at least with him and the COVID year, now it's difficult, right? Because the COVID year was so bizarre, and we had teams like Colorado that were awesome. Um, you, you, and you see, you go like, wow, that, that was pretty interesting. And then you look back and you think like, oh man, actually wasn't very interesting at all. It just was a bizarre year, but you know, Harrison at least was interesting. You have to like, my biggest question is like, how, how much does Jebbia make this offense better? Because it makes me a little nervous to put all my hopes into Jebbia because I just haven't been that big of a fan of him. Uh, and, and this dates back to when he transferred from Nebraska I thought he was pretty rough his freshman year. He was better than I had anticipated in uh, in during the COVID year, but I still wasn't like super impressed with him. But I do think I don't know. Do you, do you think that he ends up being QB one? And if he he does, do, like how much better does he? Do you think that he makes this offense? Oh, that's a tough one, right? I'm not I'm not entirely convinced he ends up as QB one. Um, you know, like I think when you're going through. The, the roster here, you know, like Chance Nolan is back and they were really comfortable with him last year, you know? So I think, I mean, I think a lot of us, <laughs> you and I included, would love for there to be another name <laughs> that would emerge, um, <clears throat> you know, and, but I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm not sure Jebby is going to beat him out. I mean, maybe he can. Uh, I'm just, I, I would bet on Nolan as your starter. Um, and maybe what you're hoping is that much like the Jake Luton experience where like year two under Luton, you know, Luton was like a really big step forward, you know, like who would have thought Jake Luton getting a shot in the NFL? I did. Uh, I did. Yeah, I know. But like <laughs> after there. year one, uh, yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> like, after year two, you're like, oh yeah, I could see that. Um, and they do have, I mean, like they do have some guys that have, uh, you know, like they've signed some, you know, relatively high three-star QBs that could potentially come in, you know, that are kind of sitting back there, you know, hopefully getting, you know, like hopefully developing along the way, um, you know, to potentially play. But they're, they're you know, they, they only brought, they, they have a new, another quarterback coming in in the new class who's, you know, in that high three-star range, you know, or maybe not that high of a three-star, like a, but a, a decent three-star range. You know, and then they've got Nolan and Jebbia and, you know, Jake Blair. And that's sort of, I mean, and, and maybe you talk Ben, you know, Gold Branson too. Um, but like, there's, there's just, you know, like they're going to have five QBs, none of which is, seems to really stand out. Um, and yeah, and they, you know, like they were maybe, maybe in the running for JT Daniels, but I don't know. Like I, I, again, like, I don't know. I, I think it's fun to talk about Jebbia. He certainly has the most stars, you know, out of high school as any of these guys. Um, but it's just a, I mean, I just, 
it's surprising he didn't really win out. You know, he hasn't won out the job before. Um, and I, I think that I think that they're okay with Nolan because, like, he he you know, like behind the running game, like they don't ask him to do a lot. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna push back on that because here's here's what I think happened was Jebby was clearly hurt, right? And so they they kind of yeah. realized that either going into the offseason, like, oh, snap, he's actually out for a while, or they kind of learned it as they went along. But I think the reason you saw the um, the Sam Neuer experience pop in is because they didn't have faith in Chance Nolan. And when you take yeah. a look at his stats, you just go, you know, and I don't want to stack out, but I watched a lot of Oregon State football too, and I'm just like, ugh, like there is a cap on this offense, which is a bummer because – you don't want that governor's chip on when you have Jonathan Smith as your offensive coordinator. And I just, I, I would assume that Jebbia pops back in if they can. Um, and unless like you're saying, Nolan has a really big breakthrough year, but I just, I mean, there was a couple of those games where he threw for like 86 yards. And yes, I understand that their running game was, was pretty good, but I think there's a couple times on this show last year where we said like, yeah, it's good against bad teams, <laughs> but when they come up against a good run defense, it's not like this. Yeah. It's not one of the best rushing offenses in the country. And I think over time, Baderang kind of figured that out. Right. Because for a while it was like, it looked great. Right. Cause they were just blowing the doors off of people. But I, the more, more to the point was the, the quarterback position where he'd have 86 yards and you go like, he could have had more if he hit a few, you know, like right. that, that wasn't just by design. That was also because they, like he couldn't hit his passes and they didn't trust him to hit his passes. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is that, I, I just, I, I'm more, I'm more interested in the, in the running backs because, you know, they brought in the Georgia tech transfer. They had the, the um, South Carolina transfer from last year. You know, is that, is that running game going to be just as good as it was? I really love their offensive linemen, but yeah, BJ Baylor gone. BJ Baylor, by the way, is way better than I had anticipated. I I thought really the Jamar Jefferson drop off was going to be pretty big, and it, and it it was a little bit, but it wasn't like, you know, like Baylor clearly was like excellent. Um, can they do that again? <laughs> because they might need to. If if Jebbia isn't the guy, I think they're going to need to really just stick to that running game. I don't know, is that, but particularly because they don't have the wide receivers like you mentioned either. It's not like they have these, you know, guys that are going to blow up and and go up and grab something. I don't know. I'm just I'm just worried about the passing game in general. No, no. I mean, I think I mean I think that's a valid question too, right? And maybe like the the first question, which was like, do I trust these the wide receivers at all? What do I think they have? And the answer is not much. <clears throat> and I think that's a really big problem when you think about the quarterbacks too. I mean, like who, who are they going to be throwing to? Who's going to be getting open that uh, I'm not sure. I mean, they really need Harrison to take a big step forward. Um, you know, maybe Ty John Lindsay has a good year in the slot, but we've waited think, for that for two years, right? He was a four yeah. kid that transferred and it, he's just, you know, been on the roster. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was playing behind like a five, two guy, <laughs> like, you know, I know. <laughs> But they, I mean, they, like, I, like, uh, but I think this is, I think it's true that Jim, I mean, and we're in agreement here. I think Jim Halchek's arguably the best line offensive line coach in the conference. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't know, even going back to when Cristobal was still at Oregon, that there was anyone that did more with what they actually had than what Mahalchek does with, with what he has at Oregon state. Um, I think largely the running game is going to be fine. 
behind the offensive line and the way that they scheme and execute. Um, and like, they've got, whether it's Griffin, the transfer in from Georgia tech or low or Fenwick. I mean, they got enough guys, like somebody's going to pan out, you know, in that room. Um, and I think they'll be fine, but uh, yeah, I mean, Oh man, like, I don't, I mean, like that's, that's it. Like they really, like, I feel like Oregon state really needs the transfer wide receivers and somebody to step up at QB this year. Yeah. Or, or else like, cause when you look at the talent, you know, at some point the cap is there and I like this coaching staff. I like the trajectory of the program, but once you hit this level, you, you anticipate that the talent level is going to grow with it. And, oh, man, you know, you take a look back at some of these players. Like, they just haven't made that leap. And, and I get it. I've been to Corvallis. It's not the best college town in the country. And, they, like, it's not by a lot of stuff. But when you have a staff that can really develop talent, you kind of want – you wonder, you know, like, come on, you gotta, you guys got to be able to get some, somebody. And they, they did such a good job in the portal in the last couple of years – that I just I've just I was just really underwhelmed with the talent from that they were able to bring in this year from the portal, which is basically nothing, um, and the recruiting class, which is basically no blue chip players on the on the roster. And then looking back to last year, where they did bring in some players, but they didn't really pan out, uh, and they still right. didn't have the blue chip players. <laughs> you kind of go like, you know, I think I think some people are are waiting for that breakout year for the Beavs. Last year might have been it you know, unless they really change the trajectory of the, the talent in this coming year. No, I mean like the offense finished pretty well last season. I mean, they were number 16 overall in beta rank. I mean, that's a, there's a big, there's a sizable gap between them and the top offense in college football. But I mean, for them to finish the top, you know, 20 offense in college football is a great achievement. Um, but it was almost all running the football. They were number 11 in effective rush. There were 45 in effective pass. I mean, and most of that passing was keyed up against very favorable, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> very, very favorable coverage um, where teams had really tried to commit to stopping the run. Um, they weren't very explosive last season, 42 and explosive drives. They were just pretty efficient. Like, I think that most of what they did last year on offense, they can repeat, you know, um, but there's only so much ceiling. And I think the defense, like with the, coordinator hire and I mean to our next question I mean that defensive line is just so thin yeah I mean like most of the like I think most of the rest of the two deep is fine like there's going to be some players that you like um they even have some guys that they might be developing you know um like Mascarenas Arnold who's probably going to be your backup at one of the inside linebacker positions but was a guy that was one of their better recruits that they landed but I mean, Oregon state's not going to go out and sign, you know, like guys that are ready to play on the defensive line for the most part. Right. Like they're not going to get high school guys that have the weight and the strength and the technique to play. They're going to have to develop those guys along. It's hard. There is nobody. I mean, like pencil in probably pencil in Cody Anderson at nose tackle and they're three, four, but it's hard to figure out who his backup's going to be. <laughs> and they've got some guys that are in that 300 range, you know, that, but a lot of them came in as defensive ends, uh, you know, and like they might have to get moved over. It just feels really thin. Um, you know, and like Hodgins is still going to be there at one of the defensive end spots, but 
Yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like at the defensive line and this has really been a really been a problem for them. I mean, like they've been okay at generating a pass rush in the past from their linebackers. Um, but they, they often get mauled at the point of attack. And that wor- that's super worrisome because when you take a look at some of these players too, like Avery Roberts, not on the roster anymore, he was first team yeah. all pack 12. And that was it <laughs> in terms of their, their defense and their defense wasn't great last year. And I just, it, it's, it's really worrisome if there's a team that can run the ball, because I just think that this, if you're Oregon state, I think in the past, you might've been able to get into a gunfight with some of these teams, but this coming year, you might not be able to do that. And it might open some holes on that defensive front. I mean, that was the big, excuse me. That was the biggest question that I had for Oregon state was what is this defense and what is the cap that they can do? I mean, if like, would you be surprised? Let, let's say Oregon state gets to the mid seventies. I'd be surprised like in beta rank this year, if they get it that high, is that, I mean, yeah. where would you put their cap at? I mean, look, I mean, I think given the problems that they have, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the thinness on the defensive line, like that's going to put a really serious cap on what they could do. I'd be, I think to your point, like, I think their, their likely cap is like very high seventies, you know, like 79, you know, which would be an increase of 15 spots, right? Like that's not insignificant. Maybe pat yourself on the back for your defensive coordinator hire if they do that. But it is, it is kind of surprising and frustrating for as much promise and as much progress as we have seen on the offensive side of the ball to come into this year, you know, and looking at the beefs and you're just like, man, like I was not, I mean, you're just not expecting to walk into a program where the coach has been there and this is Smith's fifth year. Um, that might be right. But anyway, like you're just not expecting to walk in and look at the defensive line and say, whoa, they are really thin. <laughs> you yeah. know, like you're not expecting to walk in and, and sort of, um, I mean, it, I mean, like, like I said, like they got some bodies, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that they have along that defensive front power five caliber players. Um, and so, yeah, there's some guys like past the starters and if they, if there are injuries, they could be cooked. Yeah. Well, I mean like one more question on the, on the defense, because when you take a look at the all pack 12 team, right? Like any of the, the all Americans or the, I'm sorry, the honorable mentions, they give, they give out fairly easily, you know, they give a lot of trophies out on that front, but there are a lot of defensive backs here that were on the honorable mention list for Oregon state. How good were they at pass defense last year? Oh, they really struggled. I mean, that was their, that was their real weakness. They were a one Oh one an effective pass. Yeah. Um, 78 an effective rush. I mean, both of those numbers are horrendous, <laughs> but um, they just like, they just have so much, so much room to make up. And it just doesn't feel like that. There's a lot either schematically or, you know, like potential new players coming in or, you know, players that you hope could maybe take a step forward and really help them. It just doesn't feel like there's a lot to bank on. No, it's a bummer because this is, this has been our favorite team and we made a lot of money on them two years ago when, uh, uh, or three years ago when it was the year before COVID where they were really starting to come into their own. They went to UCLA, beat them on the road, that kind of stuff. And this year might be the year to fade Oregon state. We'll see. I mean, I really, again, the coaching staff is good. So there is a world where 
they make they get the best out of their players. Maybe there's a couple guys that have been redshirt freshmen, or they you know they didn't see the field last year because they were developing, and boom, you have a cohesive team. Even though on paper it doesn't look great, but because of the coaching staff, you have a great opportunity to just play and punch above your weight. But then you look at well, who did they? <laughs> then you look at the defensive coordinator. We go, oh my freaking goodness! <laughs> so yeah. you know, I I even think that rosy scenario is is pretty far-fetched yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not enthused like i, th- I think oregon state's i think look the pac-12 does not project to be like a murderer's row next season now washington should be better you know like and there are some teams we think will be better than they were last season but it still feels like um you know the, the beads are like bowl eligibility again you know maybe yeah i mean i think i think they're gonna they're gonna be walking that line throughout the year but yeah they always every year and I, god bless them and i love it there's some team that goes to corvallis and it's cold and it's wet and the fans are loud and it just sucks to be there and oregon state always gets somebody so i'm looking forward to whoever that is oregon state ruining your rose bowl you know your uh <laughs> your your playoff contention that that will happen so um they're still one of my favorite teams. I'm just kind of not as high on them as I am uh, have been in past years. All right, Rob, let's go to a team that uh, projects to be a little bit better than they were last year, and let's do it right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, we're back. We're talking Pac-12 football, and we're talking the Cougs. We're talking Washington State here. And, you know, taking a look at this roster, Rob, as I was going through it, I I anticipated myself. I mean, like, I knew going into this year that I was going to be fairly high on the Cougs. It just was how, you know, how excited was I going to be about this team. But I think the interesting part was as I was working through the defense is working through the returning starters. I think like the more I more I looked at it, the more I'm like, okay, I see it. I see it. Like there there is there is a world. I don't think it'll happen, but there is a world where Washington State wins the North. And I can see why people uh there are some people that are like really into college football that are making that argument. Cause I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit at that. And then I started looking through the roster. I'm like, okay, I'm 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 not on board with it, but I do think that they're going to be very competitive, that this is a bowl team and, and that they have an opportunity to, to be pretty solid. Uh, my, fr- well, you, you know, as you're looking through this, what are some questions that you have? Cause I have two glaring ones. I mean, I think the biggest question I have for Washington state, you know, coming into the season, I mean, is really is, is, is a little bit of QB, right? Like, I mean, what do we have in war? Like, I mean, everyone's high on him. 
Every, I mean, everyone's high on it. Every, I mean, they, what we saw from at Western Kentucky last year was Zap. Um, you know, like I, I, everybody, I think is anticipating that Ward plus his offensive coordinator really works. Um, and I think that's largely right. But like, I also think like I have questions for a little bit on the offensive line. You know, they are losing Lucas. You know, finally moving on to the NFL. Yeah. Um. And, you know, they're switching back away from the run and shoot back to the, um, back to the air raid, you know, are they going to have, um, you know, are they going to be ready for that? And then, uh, stopping the run, like they really struggled to stop the run last year. They were a lot better against the pass. Yeah. My biggest question was the offensive line. Cause they don't just lose Abe Lucas, but they lose Brian green. They lose Liam Ryan. Uh, they're, they're that that's a problem, but yeah. But like, so I guess my biggest question though is if they're going back from the run and shoot back to the air raid, then I do think that negates some of the offensive line worries, right? If you're trying to get that ball out quickly, it it does lend itself to be a little bit more forgiving on a an unincorporated offensive line. Is that fair? Like, I I know that it, sometimes that could sound lazy, but I mean, I do think like if you're not going to run the ball a ton and you're going to be throwing it and you're looking just for open space, I do think that. I do think it's a little bit more forgiving on a new offensive line. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, and you know, there, I think it's simpler than the run and shoot in a lot of ways. I mean, you're probably going to be throwing the ball a ton. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, you mostly know what you're, you're going to have to do and deal with. Um, you know, I think that I, but I, I think to that, like to your point, like the, the are, you know, they are losing some experience. They're losing some good players and you kind of wonder like, you know, because they had been carrying some of the guys that had been pretty good under Mike Leach and that had developed under Mike Leach. Like, what is it? What have they been doing behind the scenes while those guys were playing? Right? Like, have they developed players ready to play behind the scenes? That's sort of my question, right? Like, because you have this interim of this, you know, two years with the other coaching staff. Um, you know, who do they recruit in? Who do they develop that's really ready to go? Yeah, that was an underrated. There's a lot of underrated stuff that Leach did, and <laughs> good and bad. Um, one of them was the offensive line because I think there is a, there's the chance of the lazy trope on oh these guys don't have to be that good, but like he got a number of offensive linemen into the NFL that, and it wasn't like he was recruiting blue chip players. Like he just that staff was legitimately good at finding talent and just building them up over three or four years. And then by the, you know, by the time they were a senior, you go like, Oh my gosh, that guy's actually pretty good. Same thing with yeah. Abe Lucas. Like I think Abe Lucas was a two, two star, maybe a, like a low three star that ended up coming and just over time developed and um, him and Liam Ryan, there, there's like some interesting pieces all the time that seemed to bubble up. But like, what were they able to do behind that? Because now we're going to find out because a lot of these guys, we're going to see if they're able to develop and it could be a little thin. And I'm just curious what kind of staff, um, you know, that their new head coaches put together to be able to develop the offensive line. Another question that I had, Rob was the secondary. Yeah. Uh, I'm worried about the run game. I do think that the thing that I appreciated about Washington state this past year was their ability to fight through about three quarters sometimes three and a half quarters. And then you can just see the depth that wasn't there because this team got gassed. And if they didn't gas you at the beginning and you're a good team, there is a chance that you were able to catch up to them in the fourth quarter. But the secondary is all just people that 
I mean, I, like in the in the past, they had some interesting corners, but a lot of them are gone, and I'm worried about that because they lose they lose George Hicks, they lose Daniel Isom, they use Jalen Watson, and they lose their linebacking core. So like some some of that depth, kind of similar to the offensive line, Rob, where you know you kind of could rely on these guys for a while, and it was interesting to see how. Dickert was able to come in and just build a defense because it was on a pretty shaky ground, but he's still playing with a lot of leeches recruits and he hasn't had the full time to develop them. And at least I don't know if the front seven is going to be awesome, but I do see a number of like for sure starters that are coming back like Jackson Brennan and Antonio pool. I think it's pool a Ron Stone, like their inside linebacker is going to definitely fill in that spot, but it's the secondary where like I was working through this and I'm going, I have no idea who's going to start. (laughs) That could be a problem. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I think what Dicker did well last year was like, I, I think he coached them up. I think they understood what they were doing in coverage for the most part. I think he was like, I think they found interesting ways to send pressure um, and generally worked with what was often an undersized defense out there um, and used, you know, speed to their advantage as it were. But like, I mean, to your point, yeah, like they're losing some good players, some guys that played a lot for them last year. I think Dickert will largely have them fine. Now that's not to say that I think that they will be as good defensively as they were last year where they were number 12 and effective pass. Um, you know, you could absolutely see some fall off there. Um, you know, and, and that's, I mean, and some of that could be like, you know, both a combination, maybe getting home less on the pass rush. Although I think to your point, like they do return some interesting guys in the front seven. I do think for the defense to really take a step forward, I mean, they were at 60 in effective rush comparatively last year. I mean, you could really run on these guys. What Dicker did well, I mean, was like negative drives. They were at number 18 in negative drives last year. I mean, causing three and outs, causing turnovers. Um, you know, and of course they had like the bananas turnover game against ASU where they got all the turnovers. Um, but I think like there's there's still room to clean up and containing big plays it could hurt if the secondary gets burned, right? If they're struggling with that. And then like, to your point, yeah, like there are, they're losing a couple starters and they were a little thin next year or last year, but I do, I, I, I think Dickert's like, you know, I like the defensive coordinator he brought in from Nevada. Um, you know, I think the defensively, I think they should be okay. I mean, that defense that he brought with him from Wyoming is largely pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why I think that if you squint, you can see a scenario where they are a surprise team that wins the, the, yeah. North. I mean, if Ward gets hot as hell and it is like Western Kentucky, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where the offense just really gets going and Dickert is able to keep the defense where they a little bit where they were in that 30 ish range. Yeah. They get lucky. Y'all they're going to have to do is get lucky in a game or two. And yeah, they could do it. Yeah. Cause they have the wide receivers, right? Yep. Uh, Stribling, Ollie, Victor, I know that like I loved Terrell uh, uh, Travell Harris to pieces. Like he was one of my favorite players in the Pac-12. He's gone. Calvin Jackson Jr.'s gone. But the, and and a lot of the players that they bring back were recruited for the air raid. <laughs> so they kind yeah. of made the transition. Now they're going back. I just think that that offense. You're right. If if Ward is solid, the offense is going to hum. And then you know your bull case is yes, some of these pieces in the secondary and some of the depth here. I don't quite see it, but 
if there's a strength to this coaching staff, it's the defense. And we have a fairly proven defensive coordinator that is now the head coach. And that's interesting to me. So, you know, like we're not going to go through schedule. We'll save that for as we go further down the spring. We'll take a look at fall camp, make sure there's no injuries, knock on wood. But I'm curious what the odds are on this. If they're super high, like if they're popping at 20 to 1, I might I might jump up and grab that. But I, I have a feeling that it's not going to be that high. I think Vegas is going to be onto this team a little bit. But um, it might be a team to bet on throughout the year just because the name brand isn't there. And on paper, they're not great. Like that game that they have in, at Madison that we're looking at, that that's interesting to me. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I just think there's a couple spots here where it's kind of exciting to see a Washington State team that has their act together be able to be competitive. And um, and that Apple Cup looks really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I think this team has all the, like, if you're going through potentially like fun surprise teams like Washington state's definitely it. Cause like, I think you can make an argument that Ward could be an, a, a real upgrade over Delora, you know, like in Delora wasn't bad. I mean, wasn't bad last season. They finished at 17 an effective pass, but he definitely leaves some money on the table, Yeah, you know, and like it, if Ward is able to clean that up, then offensively they should be better. Yeah. You know, like last thing on them where you take a look at the running back, and I just don't think they got out what they needed to out of Max Borgie last year. No, so frustrating. Like, yeah. Such a talent. I know. And and it was it was a little bit bizarre. Dion McIntosh had an interesting year. He's gone. But they do bring in Nikita Watson, the, the transfer from uh, Wisconsin a few years ago. They seem to like him. And there's some interesting pieces behind him. So I, I guess my, my last question is, are they going to run the football? Mike Leach is, is like a he's like a fundamentalist air raid guy, right? Like you are either in, you are the all in or it's nothing. And I'm, I'm curious to see what type of, and I like, look, I haven't watched a lot of incarnate word football. You know, is this a, a pure, you know, uh, unfiltered cocaine type of air raid? Or is this one that incorporates some more run concepts? Because I do think that they might have some talent there to be able to integrate and it was just really frustrating, like you mentioned, Rob, that they weren't able to do that last year because you just, ah, I just, I wanted more of that, and I did see it. And I, I like, I know that, um, uh, I know that Borgie had a good Apple Cup, and that was exciting and stuff. But you just wanted more of that consistently over the season. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think like one of the big questions, like to your point, right, is like that that question of who is, I mean, are they with Leach and with I mean the way Leach runs it versus the way say like. Lincoln Riley runs it, which is definitely incorporates, you know, a lot more power run in with the air raid and has a fairly sophisticated run scheme. Um, or the, you know, the, uh, the other question which is like, I mean, are they going to be like Graham Harrell who just runs the ball when he shouldn't, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, and that, that is like, that is really fascinating to me too. Um, you know, when you think about like the, you know, what, what should we expect from, uh, you know, the, um, uh, from, you know, the new, the, 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 the new set there, like, are they going to really rely on <clears throat> ward and throw like, I mean, I don't, I, 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 I love this anecdote. It is probably not true, but like the one about like Mike Leach doesn't call run plays like the quarterback can just audible into them at the line. Yeah. Yeah. Like. That that kind of thing about Leach, which 
you say it, it, it it's probably not. It feels true. <laughs> so you want it to be <laughs> too true, good to check. Right? Yeah, too good to check. <laughs> like, um, and so I think with that, like, I, I do think that, like, with you know them, you know, Ward coming in, um, you know, like it, it should. If if he really is out, I mean, if they really are like throwing the ball all over the place, then you know, running backs can a little be be a little bit of an afterthought. But also, like, <clears throat> Borgie, like. You know the the running backs. You know it, the worst. I think the most criminal waste of Borgie was that in the run and shoot, the running back mostly stays in and blocks. You know, like he was he was an afterthought as a receiver out of the backfield, which I'm which I am sure is part of the reason he signed with Washington State in the beginning, was that like yes, we will I will get to like catch some passes. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I think that that like that to me is like a really interesting question too. Is like what are we going to see? Like, I mean, if we're going to like in the air raid, the running back does have you know route running responsibilities. Um, so they could be in the offense even if they are. And now I'm like like also trying to find like FCS passing statistics on like how much did incarnate word throw the ball? I don't know, but I'm excited. I, I am excited. I think this could really work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really fascinated at what this team can be next year or this coming year and where they finally end up in the North because it's just you don't know what Washington is. You don't know what Oregon is. And, you know, if those teams falter a little bit, there is a clear pathway here for Washington State to start making moves. So, uh, you know, smoke them all you got them, Kook fans, because uh, (laughs) you never know in the future. Rob, anything else we should mention before we wrap up today? No, it was a good run. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we have two more teams next week. We'll keep an eye on the transfer portal. I think some, you know, the deadline has happened, so we know who's out. And now it's just a question of who's in. So we're going to see a lot more news coming in of players filling in roles. So hopefully your team fills a spot of need because there are lots of players out there. Stay tuned. Check out our YouTube page, Sharp College Football, sharpcollegefootball.com for all of your advanced statistical needs. And we will catch you next week.